This podcast is not meant to be professional advice of any kind. It's meant to be informative and entertaining. If you make any changes to your life, see the appropriate professional before you do so. Welcome to Super Age. My name is David Stewart. I am the founder of Ageist and your host on the Super Age show. We talk about how to live healthier, how to live longer, and how to be happier. And who doesn't want that? Today's show is brought to you by Inside Tracker, the dashboard to your inner health. Go to insidetracker.com slash ageist, save 20% on all their products. Today's show is also brought to you by Ned's Mellow Magnesium, designed to help busy people sleep better. Go to helloned.com slash ageist and save 15%. Get yourself some better sleep. Today's show is also brought to you by Timeline Nutrition with their breakthrough product, MitoPure, the first clinically tested urolithin A supplement, which is showing tremendous results for mitochondrial health. Go to TimelineNutrition.com slash Ageist, use the code Ageist at checkout, and save 10% off your first order of MitoPure. Welcome to episode 144 of the Super Age Podcast. We'll be dropping this on July the 26th, 2023. This week, we are in Manhattan, New York. New York, New York, so nice they named it twice. And we've been here for a couple of weeks, be here for another little bit, and then back to Park City. New York is an amazing city. I just, it, it gets better and better with time. And you know what I've been noticing is, at least the part of New York that I am in mostly, which is the downtown part, it's become much more like a European city. And it's sort of like the the edges have just gotten smoothed off. I lived here till about 2008 or so. And what I've noticed is the trees that were sort of smaller then are much bigger. So there's very often there's these green canopies in places where there just haven't been. And then, of course, because of COVID, there's all this outdoor dining, which I guess is one of the few good things that came out of COVID. But there's all this sort of outdoor dining and a number of the streets are closed at night for restaurant activity. And it seems that the thing to do if you've got a restaurant, you have one of these sort of outdoor sidewalk dining areas, you bring in a lot of plants out. And, and so everywhere you look in New York, there's all this green, either private entities like the restaurants have trees out there and plants and stuff, or the trees themselves, the, the big ones in the sidewalk have grown bigger. And I've noticed in general, it's just sort of a softer city. I love policemen and police women. I, I get along great with them. I don't know why they, they think I'm one of them. I don't know why. <laughs> but uh, like they're like super friendly here in a way that in Utah, it's not like they're unfriendly, but it's just like, you know, just the facts, ma'am. It's, it's very all business and LA there. I think it's like really hard to be a cop in LA is what I got to say about that. But it's been wonderful here. And so this is going to disturb some people, but I'm really comfortable here. I find myself being quite relaxed. And when I tell people like here I am in New York and it's, I find it very relaxing. They look at me like I need treatment for something, <laughs> but I really love bantering with people. I love bantering with people on the street. I love bantering with people in the stores and the elevators. I love talking to the police men and women. It's just really fun for me. And they see me come up and they see me smile and I'm talking to them and they don't feel threatened. I don't feel threatened. And we have this nice little interaction. We have this moment of connection that somehow it's, it's, I'm, I'm aligned 
here. And it's not that I'm not aligned in other places, but I think I've, I'm an East Coast guy. I grew up in the East Coast. I did live in this city for 25 years, but it was a much harsher city when I left than it is now. I also still very much love being in the mountains. I think that's really amazing. And I will be back there next week. So I'm looking forward to that. This week on the show, we've got Kristen Weitzel, and I'm really excited to speak to her. We're going to talk about the sort of two opposing poles of fear and capability and capacity and and what drives us into fear and how we can own more of our capacity and our capability, which which I think is really one of the great limitations uh, that we as human beings face. And we're going to talk a little bit about the gender differences there. We're going to talk a little bit about, well, probably a lot about uh, cold exposure, which is um, one of her gigs, and breathing, another one of her things. And then this idea of biohacking, which is a word that she uses quite a bit that I have some difficulty with. And I there's something that she talks a lot about that I really love, how this idea of your comfort zone is what's killing you. And it's it's not dissimilar from a conversation that... I had with Brian Johnson a few months back. So we're going to get with Kristen Weitzel in just a moment after a quick word from our sponsors. Today's show is brought to you by Inside Tracker, the dashboard to your inner health. On June 29th, Inside Tracker officially added insulin as one of the biomarkers they test. Inside Tracker has made great strides this year in adding biomarkers like ApoB, which is critical for heart health, as well as three hormone markers that are especially important for addressing symptoms related to aging. Now, Inside Tracker has added insulin, which is the key biomarker for sustained energy and an early warning for several chronic diseases. Go to insidetracker.com/ageist. Save twenty percent on all their products today. Today's show is brought to you by Ned's Mellow Magnesium. It's a sleep supplement that I've been taking for about three weeks. And it's great. I know a lot of you guys, we have problems sleeping. We wake up in the night or we have trouble getting to sleep. And you should check this out. So it's got three different kinds of magnesium. Magnesium is awesome to help us sleep. It's also one of the minerals that 75% of Americans are not getting enough of. Mellow Magnesium also has L-theanine and GABA, both of which are going to help us sleep. And full transparency, Ned shares all of its third-party lab reports right there on its site. So not just the research they do, but the research that everybody else does on their products. And that strikes me as a real vote of confidence from the brand on the products that they do. They have over 5,000 five-star reviews on their products. So I'm not the only one who likes this. You can't become the best version of yourself unless you're getting great sleep. Like nothing else works. You got to get sleep. So this is what you do. Go to Hello, Ned. That's H-E-L-L-O-N-E-D dot com slash ageist and get 15% off on all their products. Or if you forgot all that, just enter ageist, code ageist at checkout and you get your 15% off there. Stay tuned after my conversation with Christian Weitzel for just try this, that little fortune cookie that we do at the end of the show, little tidbit to help you live happier, healthier, and a little longer. So let's give Kristen a call right now. Hey, Kristen, how are you today? I am wonderful and so happy to be here with you. It's great to have you. Um, as we were talking offline, I, I found you because 
you you're part of the brain tap biohacky package and your three meditations are like my favorites i feel like i know you because i listen to you like a couple times a week which is weird you don't i don't know not weird it's amazing it's amazing <laughs> it's, really great. it's amazing people sometimes ask me if i listen to myself and i'm like i'm not quite there yet so but i am um, but yeah people will tag me and and once in a while when they feel like hey i really want to shout you out because i had a rough day today and i got some breath work and meditation in and yeah it makes me feel like my work is um creating value for people which is why i'm here so there's a few things i want to hit on here Help me if I'm if I'm wrong here, but I, I see a lot of your work when you work with people, especially women. I think it's mostly women in your gang. This idea of one's capability versus the fear that sort of holds one back. I think this is not entirely gender specific either. I think men mm. just have sort of different silly fears. Men's fears are sillier. I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm one of them. I can say that. So yeah. <laughs> so talk to me a little bit about this, the, the two poles of capability that we have and, and fear that maybe we don't want to go there. The fear piece, you know, it's really interesting, the place that I am in my life. I, we were just speaking about this. I'm about to sort of um, dismantle a lot of the things in my home and sell some belongings and downsize and um, put myself in a van for a year, bringing my Sherpa Breath and Cold program to North America, as it were, on the road. and. I've been facing a lot of those fears or what I might even call like micro fears, just they're really story, right? One of my biohacking besties will always say, you know, we're going to, Hey, let's walk through the Valley of death. Let's not build a condo there. And, you know, there's, there's people get caught up in their story in some, in some spaces, in some ways. And I think a lot of times this is the the thing we see with sort of procrastination or nervousness, we're, we're, we're doing a lot of limbic looping in the brain about making the story worse than it actually is. And really, there is a piece and component of life that feels like leap in the net will appear. How do I choose something? And even if it's not the thing I want, but it comes to me, and that doesn't mean like, hey, I guess I'll just suck it up and deal with this, embrace this suck. It's like, how do I say, okay, this breakup in my life just happened and I don't want it and I'm going to choose it. I'm going to joyfully put myself in front of it so that I can experience the, what the exploration is here so that I can grow because it's happening for me. And all of that can sound a bit like cerebral and perhaps like, oh, easier said than done, which it is. But um I think when you have the right tools to embrace the fear, to unwind your story and you start to unpack and maybe self-actualize exactly where you are in space and time, if those things exist, then we get an opportunity to sort of release some of that, right? And, and I talk about capacity on the other side of this a lot. 90% of people I meet are selling themselves short. And I don't like those statistics. I don't know about you, but it's, it's, you know, we talk, I do have a lot of women in my audience and women I work with. And then with Sherpa Breath and Cold, I'm doing performance training and sports and athletes. And, and, and it's across the board, every, every shape, size, color, gender, fluidity, like everyone. I'm so happy to work in these healing modalities with everyone. And I see it with so many people that as they start to layer in the right tools, as they start begin to surprise themselves by having a fierce commitment to consistency with those tools, then the fear starts to trickle away and the capacity begins to grow. It's almost like this, holy shit, I can do hard things. 
I had no idea how amazing or how much expansion I had or how much strength I had to be able to get through this thing. And so somehow we, 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 this is like, like when, when you like go to a restaurant and it's really bad, you write a review, <laughs> you write a review and you say that was awful, but it's not as often that we have a wonderful experience and we, we, we write a review. And I think fear is the same thing. Like it capitalizes on itself, right? We have a tough, a, a scary thing or a bad uh, micro trauma, trauma in our life. It repeats on itself. It's in ourselves. And we're like, oh, I'm going to write the review for that. My brain's going to remember that because I was out of safety. And so that to me is really like where we need to navigate more is like, how do we unpack the places and times in our lives we felt unsafe so that we can unpack fear so we can live into the fullest capacity of how amazing we are. Yeah. It's that negativity bias, which, you know, served as well as cave people, but less well now. A lot of your work is very physical and talk to me a little bit about overcoming discomfort as a way of changing this story that you speak about, like our self story and increasing what we believe our capacity is through physicality. Yeah, yeah, that's an awesome question. It brings things to mind like, you know, sprinting. You know, nobody, I, I don't want to say nobody likes to sprint. Some people love to sprint. But sprinting is a perfect example of something where we're creating a, a, um, a deliberate, very short-term stressor to be able to adapt and get better right? At a cellular level, and maybe perhaps even at a physical level, if we want to be a better marathoner, a better racer, a better recomposition our body, etc. But you'll surely much more often see someone doing like a 5k jog than you will sprinting out in the streets. Like during quarantine, I was like out in front of my neighbor's houses. I'm sure they thought I was crazy, but I was like, there's nowhere else to sprint. I'm just going to sprint in the streets. And movement is, I mean... It's one of the most, talk about the biohacking world, movement and mobility. It's being talked about a little more and strength training and all of those things. That's one of the things that's sort of spoken about the least, which is always so interesting to me because it is like the lifeblood of everything that we do. Our body, it's like an object in motion stays in motion. We want to age gracefully. Let's move. So I use things like, I, you know, I'm, I'm a big believer, Stacey Sims, uh, who's just a winning some female researcher and performance athlete talks a lot about lift heavy shit. Hey, ladies, lift heavy shit because you're not enough, right? And that holds true for men and women. It just, we have a little bit of a, I think we're more risk averse just genetically. And so we have, we're like, hey, five pound dumbbell looks good. It's like, no, that's not, that's not the thing. So things like sprinting, things like getting in a cold ice bath, things like lifting some heavy weights in a way that of course we want to have biomechanical form. And we want to like, I'm not just going to walk up to a squat rack and put 200 pounds on and get under it. Let's like Darwin, let's, let's, let's be smart, you know? And um, yeah, th those things are so critical because this is, again, all of these are stress adaptations to stressors that we are providing to our bodies so we can increase our capacity. And mobility to me feels like such, it's the low-hanging fruit. Breath is the same way, low-hanging fruit for adaptation to be a, a better human, to feel better and to um, live longer, happier, healthier. I'm totally on board with that. I think fitness is in, in all of its forms is just so essential and that resistance training everybody needs to resistance train if you're not resistance training you're losing muscle that's just how it is so which side of that equation you want to be on i <laughs> so you have a, a phrase the comfort zone is killing you right. and to me i've seen that a lot of the things that probably you and i do are not considered sort of mainstream socially acceptable whereas 
um, starting the day with a donut or something is fine. Talk to me a little bit about this way that I think, especially as we get a little older, this idea that comfort needs to be sort of the primary driver when actually maybe not so much. Yeah. I know. I mean, even neurochemically, right. We talk about you, you listen to our, I call uh, our Lord Huberman is what I refer to Andrew Huberman now as our Lord Huberman, because, you know, I'm in a space where everyone's like, I don't know if you heard, but Huberman told said this, so it, it has to be true. And it's the only thing. Oh I'm God. <laughs> and I look, I like, I love like, great. I love his work. I'm so thankful for it. And also, yeah, there's bio-individuality and um, it's just, be it's beautiful in some ways how he's revered. And I just also think it's fun. Um, but, you know, he'll talk about neuroplasticity and um, and, and we've, we know in the biohacking sphere and the health and wellness sphere, we know it's like, what's the best thing? I think Ben Greenfield even just talked about this on some social post I saw. It's like, what's one of the best things you can do as an aging adult? Uh, pick up an instrument, a new instrument, try yeah. a language, do something right. that's going to stretch you in a way and, and maybe purposefully, right? In, in the sense, it's like, probably I'm not going to learn Chinese if I'm going to go travel around Mexico for a month, right? I'm going to like learn a new language for a purpose, for context, because you, you need to have the driver, right? The real reason to do it is not like, I want to have more neuroplasticity and better aging brain, but, but trying these things out and trying them on for size, I think we discover that there's so many more things we can like in the world or love or enjoy that we didn't know about. There's so much benefit to our, to our brain and our neurochemistry and really stretching ourselves past this comfort zone thing. It's like, I don't know, you know, there's different generations and different ideas and thoughts. And I've seen lots of people in different stages of their lives, but um, we got to get past the donut is the best breakfast moment. If that's really, you know, still, of course it's still around and I'm not saying nobody, anybody shouldn't like run off and have a donut every so often. I'm really not a restrict. I hate overly restricting people from things that bring them joy because I do believe like I'm a gluten-free eater, right? But if I go and someone's Nana is like, I, and I'm not, it's not a celiac, it's not an allergy. So if someone's Nana is like sweating into a sauce and making a big pasta dish and whatever, and serving it to me, I want to have the joy of sharing that with her, all the love that went into it, all the neurochemical, you know, bliss chemicals that come up from sharing a meal in community. So it's like, how do we find the things that are going to stress, stretch us? You know, the comfort zone, your comfort zone is killing you is legitimately what's happening to us over time. We are just getting so much more comfortable and so much more sedentary that it is killing us. And where can we find areas in our life that we're willing to kind of stretch and choose it as an adventure? You know, there's this Dan Garner is a mentor of mine and he talks about some research. And he's like, look, this is an unpopular opinion, but here's the reality at people. All, people come to me all the time at a 33 year old woman come to me last week and say, I guess it's all downhill from here. <laughs> I was like, you are not allowed to say that. Like who, why do you think that? But the reality is, you know, we have the ability to age gracefully and mobile, be mobile and do all these things. And it just feels like stretching ourselves past our comfort zone is the way for us to expand and for us to live longer. I want to sort of touch on this idea of, you get back to the comfort zone idea and a lot of what I was going to say socially acceptable as being comfortable is actually pretty self-destructive and, and how that it's, it's not self-affirming at, at all, yeah. but that it's, it's considered like, okay. And I, I, you know, I remember my, you know, my mom in the sixties used to smoke with the windows rolled up in the car with us kids, wouldn't wear a seatbelt because it wrinkled her dress. And it was totally normal for people to have like a couple of martinis at lunch. Yeah. Like, 
yeah. but that was okay. So um, thankfully th that stuff's all no go now, but yeah. there's a lot of other stuff that's, I feel like the bar has sort of been lowered in a lot of ways that things are acceptable when maybe they, they shouldn't be, maybe there's a short term, you might feel better, but in, in the long term, like you're hurting yourself. Yeah. 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 I just saw someone so funny. You said that I just rolled past a red light in LA. I just got back from LA yesterday and there was someone in their car windows rolled up smoking a cig. And I was like, I drove by and literally said out loud, are we really still doing that? <laughs> so those things are out there. You know, I, I think, look, I, I worked in the alcohol and spirits industry, consumer packaged goods early on in a career, a corporate career that I left. And I, I loved it. It was interesting. It was fun. It was wonderful to see what companies were actually making alcohol, even though it's not the healthiest thing in a, in a, in a sustainable or in at least a um, integrous way. And what companies were just throwing stuff in bottles for people to drink. Um, it's interesting how that the world of the marketing arm. And I launched Red Bull in the United States with a great team of people and how that was like first functional beverage that was considered sort of healthy at that point. Right. And now we might have different opinions. Um, but, but just learning and understanding the consumer landscape and psyche and how people adopted brands and adopted what they put in their life made just gave me a different vantage point than the typical biohacker. And, and I don't want to poo-poo alcohol. And even as I like sit there with a bottle of like sustainable biodynamic gamay on my shelf, um, I don't drink a lot anymore. I, perhaps because I had plenty of alcohol in the days I worked in that industry, but perhaps it just doesn't feel good in my body. I will have the occasional glass of wine. I'm always making sure it's like from dry farms or it's biodynamic, et cetera. And, and that's beautiful. And, you know, once in a while around the holidays, I'll have like a really well-crafted cocktail. That's just like a decadent moment. But I think there's still the drinking thing exists. I think there's other ways to uh, manage some of our, uh, I'm talking to people who maybe are doing that to be able to quell some stressors or get sleep at night and not realizing that the long-term effects of that aren't great. And there are things out there that are like, you know, they're the quick fix. And America is well known for that. The quick fix of, um, you know, various products or supersizing things. And and there is something about the patience of, I don't know if you're a Dune fan, but there's a word in Dune, David, that's called Spanisbogen. They like use it in the early Dune film or book or something. And um, it's really about the joy of the waiting, the joy of like, it's really like the joy of the journey, but the the beauty in sort of waiting to get something actually makes it that much sweeter. And mm -hmm. so that's a lot of the stuff that I think we put down when we're like hitting on our dopamine iPhones and all that. So yeah, I'd love to be able to see that change. And some of what I'm hoping I'm doing with the breathwork and cold exposure space specifically, and some of the female biohacking, of course, my one-on-one -on -one clients and group programs and all of that is hopefully unpacking that a bit so we can find ways to be in community and share that hey, this is a long-term goal. Let's bolster it with some short-term goals together and let's celebrate. Don't celebrate ourselves enough when we have small wins. Let's talk about some of the male-female differences out yeah. there. Yeah. So I've read that fasting for women is different for men in that there's a cortisol response. So I know that you do a lot of voluntary cold exposure, yeah. putting people into ice baths. Are there gender differences in the physiology with that? Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. Yes. The answer is yes. The short answer is yes. The uh, women are different than men neurochemically. Um, my friend Kayla um, is a, a neurobiologist, does similar sort of research to what uh, Andrew Huberman does, but does it really in the, in the landscape of women, women in the research, women's health. And um, we're still don't have enough research on the female physiology, believe it or not. It's not expanding enough. 
or quickly enough. It is better, but it's not much better to truth be told. Um, so we, we still, we still have a lot to learn. Um, but there are differences in our neurochemistry genetically. And obviously, you know, our, our sex as well, the sex we're born in is, is makes us different for fasting. Uh, Mindy Pels is a great resource. I love her work. She, she has a book called fast, like a girl. Um, I've interviewed her on my podcast and really I've interviewed Dave Asprey on my podcast talking about this. I tend to be a bit more conservative on fasting for women. Now it's potentially slightly easier and more supportive in menopausal years, but during reproductive years, especially given the way women are trying to conceive now, how much more challenging fertility can be in people's lives. I just, I'm like, we got enough hormone imbalance as it is. How do we find a way to, if we're going to fast conservatively fast as females. Maybe it's not every day. Maybe it's not like go hard, Jocko Willink, David Goggins, like love going to do that. Maybe we find a way to balance our power with our sensitivity as women. And we actually say, okay, cool. Every other day I'm going to do a fast, or I'm not going to do like a 12 hours or 15 hours. I'm going to do shorter fasts. And I actually prefer even like, I think you want to do a, a longer fast. that's like 24, 36 hours, something like that for longevity. Great. Do that once a quarter. And then build fasting in, in a way that supports you. But many, many women are doing the thing where they don't eat till one o'clock. And it's just like leptin, ghrelin, cortisol, all of these hormones are like, what? I'm not sure what's going on. And absolutist thinking isn't going to get us anywhere. I'm not on the podcast to say, hey, women don't fast. It's never like that. We're all bio-individual. And that's what makes this conversation so beautiful and also so challenging is somebody listening to this could be an optimal candidate to try a little fasting for a while. But my 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 short-ish answer to females is be I'm more conservative. I think you should be more conservative, especially if you are in your reproductive years and you have any kind of hormonal imbalance. Um, it's kind of where I sit. And then Mindy talks a lot about the best time for women to fast actually is when they get their period, because it's sort of the low hormone phase. And the low hormone phase is we're a bit more normalized, we're not going to fluctuate so much. And so we can really we actually have less hunger signal signaling going on in the body. Whereas like the days leading up to our period, we're like, I'm always like snacking and salt and chocolate and, you know, I have other cravings that are coming up. So really finding the right times in the cycle to be able to fast also can make all the difference. And and similarly, there's other, there's other things in the landscape um, of women's health that we can adjust. Talk to me about the cold, cold and male, female differences. Yeah. So we find, and here's the cool thing, pun intended, about research with cold. Can you imagine this just for a moment that some of the research is like my left arm in a cold tub of ice that is X number of degrees. A lot of the research is above 50 degrees. Some of it is men, some is women, some is whole body, some is a minimal amount is cryo. Some of it is immersion. Some of it is pre-training, post-training. It's all over the map when it comes to time and temperature and body parts are full immersion. And Um, What we do see just anecdotally and in some of the research is that it tends to be that male, the male hormone cycle, um, it's a bit more of a 24 hour clock and men tend to do better and are pretty okay with like, I'm just going to plunge every day. It's cold exposure every day. All the things beautiful. Again, that's a generalization. Surely there are men out there who have some predisposition or some dis-ease state that that's not a great idea. And for women, I'm a little bit more conservative. I I have the females I work with not plunging every day. Now I did a 30 day ice bath challenge, ice plunge challenge in the beginning of this year. And people were like, Oh, 
oh my God, Kristen, you're doing 30 days of cold. And I'm like, Hey, listen, some days I'm doing cold showers, definitely not as um, high of a stressor as a cold tub, full immersion. So, and, and I'm doing cold every day. And you know what? It's 30 days in a row and it's with the community and it's beautiful. And I'm stoked about it. Am I going to do it 365 days a year? No. So when I have access and availability, sure, I might be up at an ice hole in Canada in the most beautiful landscape with stars at night. And I can get in that ice hole twice a day, every day for three days. Cool. I'm going to do it because I love it because it changes me as a person. And also I'm not going to like beat it up. So, so definitely that. And also women will come all the time and say, Oh, I have my period. I can't get in the cold today. And my question is always, well, I respect consent and their boundaries. And if they're a hard, no, that's fine. I always ask the question, you know, is it, is it the like chicken and the brat on your shoulder or is it really the period thing? Or like, what's that about, right? If it's a cultural thing. Okay. But there really isn't any research to say there's a bad time of the cycle. I will say that the few days leading up to our period, we are like have a lower pain threshold. We're way more sensitive, emotional, physical to stress in general. Um, Sometimes our sleep suffers more during that part of the cycle. So maybe I'm not going to like power through five days of ice baths as a female leading up to my period. Again, sometimes we feel heightened emotional states. Maybe some women have PMS. And there is something to be said for two minutes in cold water immersion during that time to like reset your nervous system, have a good cry after any of those things. And so there's no perfect answer, but there are definitely watch outs. And I I really, for all the women or any women or females that are listening to this right now, I really encourage you to really dive into like what the thing is that is, you know, your intuition because that helps drive us. Right. And I don't mean I had an intuitive hit that I had to go eat the whole pizza because that's probably (laughs) sugar. It's like probably like a food craving or like, you know, food, you know, you're soothing yourself, self-soothing tactic. But because women will say that to me, I just felt like I had the intuitive hit. I just needed to do like ice cream and pizza last night. I'm like, okay, cool. Like, what are you going to do? Let's start again today. Um, But yeah, so ice baths, I think intuition is important and also do the hard thing. Do the hard thing. I, I put so many bodies in the cold, David, so many bodies of so many different kinds. And I see the thing that I want to say about cold exposure and ice baths and cold plunging and whatever we want to call it. I call it intentional cold exposure, not just because it is ice as abbreviation, but because we have an intention we can set or a context, which to me is the missing link in cold that no one talks about. What is your context? Like, what are your goals? It's always going to be a different protocol. But the thing for me is like, how do we decide we're going to take the leap and do something challenging, you know, and build it into our, our, our repertoire and know that we have that capacity because what I get to see with someone in three minutes in an ice bath, I get to see the microcosm of how they respond to stress and how they behave in the world for their entire lives. And that could sound like super woo to you, but that's really what you see. So, it's so, you know, it's, 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 it's amazing to be able to do that work. Our, our travel writer lives on the North Fork of Long Island at the end. And she swims in the North Atlantic mm. 365. And so that water, she describes it as it becomes gelatinous at about 30 degrees. Yeah. In order to do that. And she's out for like 20 minutes. It's not three. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But she's cold used water to it. swimming. She's cold water swimming. It's like you yeah. you adapt, you have to adapt to be able to do that. Yeah. Your body yeah. can get like dizzy fluctuations. Like let's be clear, yeah. you can drown. Yeah, it's like not that anyone should be just doing that. Like willy nilly. Hey, no. let me start tomorrow. Put down the donut and go to the twenty minutes swimming. <laughs> oh <my laughs> but it's also awesome, right? It's like it's something a skill that she's learned and adapted to. 
I live in Park City most of the time. And in the winter, the pool, one of the pools at the gym I go to freezes. And so what we learned was if you start going in about October, by end of November, it's ice on top and you break the ice and you you go in. I've only, I think I've managed that for like, I don't know how cold that water is. It's somewhere around freezing. And I can do, you know, I'll do about a minute, but the, and that just becomes, it just becomes like too painful on my hands and my feet. Like, it's like, I gotta get out of here. My favorite is the circulating cold tub at about 40. Mm-hmm. So that again, hands and feet out because they just like hurt too much. But then the, the sort of the, the initial like 20 or 30 seconds is just so unpleasant. And I just have to tell myself like, you're not going to die. It's okay. You're not going to die. It's all right. You know, just sort of calm down, try and like reduce the, reduce your tendency to hyperventilate here. It's going to be okay. Personally, I do it for two reasons. One, to tell myself that you did it. Um, it's like, okay, you're going <laughs> to, you can do this really initially unpleasant thing. And then when I get out, oh my God, do I feel smart? I just feel like, like so on and yeah. can't tell you how many people have outdoor cold plunges. Like it's like a thing. It is a thing. Well, yeah. Yeah, I'm so excited that it's yeah. a thing. Every day, somebody calls me every day. Someone calls me or DMs me and says, what ice bath should I buy every day? Or, or how long or what kind of time or what are the right. best ones in the market? And I'm like, this is a call. This isn't a, this isn't a, I can't just DM you three answers. This is a call and it's a blog and it's a whole, you know, it's a whole thing, but it's, I'm super thankful that it's coming back into fashion. I guess that's what we say. I don't know. It's like coming back because uh, nobody alive on the planet, right? Is the first person to be doing like breath work or cold exposure. People have been doing this for thousands of years and I'm so excited about it. And that first, those first moments of the, the plunge or the dip or the the cold bath you're doing are so important for us to like, what a beautiful body that we live in, that it goes, stop, get out. <laughs> I want to <laughs> save you. Like how, how, how beautiful that we have that. And um, I never, this may sound like it, this is why I do this work. You know, I don't have some uh, preconceived notion that I've set up. I don't necessarily, or maybe, but I, ha- I don't have any genetic issues. I don't have any contraindications. I don't have anything to have this be any different, but I've quite honestly never had a thing where I'm like, I get in and I'm like, this is awful or this is painful or I hate this. I've just never had that. And it's, it's, it's probably why I do the work. And I, I, I talked a lot about this, this training I just came off of. It's like, uh, there was a younger woman who went in maybe 21 on our volunteer day. Cause all the coaches get a volunteer. So they get to coach someone they don't know at the end of the weekend. And she was like, I'm so excited for this. I stayed up last night a little late and I watched all these TikTok videos of all these people ice plunging to see how they were doing it and their response. And what she, what she essentially was doing was like visualization. Right. And she came in the next day and I was like, it's your first ice bath. How, how are you feeling? She's like, I'm so excited. I'm all in. I watched these videos. I'm ready. And she know what she got in and she like had a, beautiful time and experience. Was it hard for her? Yes. Was it challenging and, you know, to her physiology? Of course. Did she get in and have a big smile on her face and just rock it? Like it was almost easy. Yeah. And this is like the, you, you, you can watch someone who's like doing, you know, powerlifting or going to do some CrossFit games or something. And you can see how the lift is going to go before when they're 10 feet away, approaching the bar. It's like the approach is everything. And it's like how I, when I first, um, was training. I, I was an, I'm an XPT certified. I trained with Laird, Laird and Gabby at their house and then took the certification for coaches. 
And that's Laird Hamilton and Gabby Reese. I always forget to think. I think everyone knows who they are. Um, but they're amazing athletes. And I was like, I couldn't keep up with that was a whole two day experience where I was doing my very best, but I was sort of evident that I was the weakest link. Lots of professional athlete vibes or like retired athletes at their house. And I'm like, oh, weights in the pool, 11 feet down. There's thankfully like a master scuba diver sitting on the floor of the pool for like safety. It's it's real deal. And, you know, Laird is insane, like in a, the most beautiful way. He's like jumping off the sauna, jumping into the pool, weights. And I'm like, I'm having I'm having moments coming up from weighted workout at the bottom of 11 feet and attempting things where I'm coming up and being like, thankfully we're in a pool because I got some tears in my eyes, you know, no one can see that I'm like, you know, I'm nervous. I'm trying to overcome fear. And so I was the weakest link. It was relatively evident. And then I knew that after lunch, we were going to be doing sauna and cold. And I had done years of cold dips at Korean spas and Russian and Turkish bathhouse in New York city. As I was growing up, like teenage years, like late teenagers, early twenties. And, and for a, a number of, of, of years prior, but I was going in like 30 seconds being like, whoa, this is amazing. And getting out and kind of not knowing what it was doing or why I was feeling how I was feeling. And then you have all that hot there. And so I just said, I'm going to go do this ice plunge. And they said like three minutes and I'm just going to head dunk on the in and head dunk on the out. And I have all of these mostly males, like these big, strong men. And I was like, decided I'm going to go first. I'm going to be better that I'm going to be, look, it's like the alpha energy in me. I'm going to be better than anyone else. Like, look, we all have a little competitive spirit, but I needed to prove myself for myself as well to be like, I want to be a functioning good part of this team. And I, I was like, I'm going to do this like a Zen master. Like I'm going to go in there. Like it's like yoga. I'm going to use every skill, every breath, every, everything I have. And I, and I didn't even have to at, like raise my hand and say, I'm going first mark the instructor there. When I was gathered around the tub, I was like looking at him so intently. He's like, I think Kristen's going first. And I was like, yep. And then I went and got in, in a way that was so approaching the bar. I already knew how I was going to be. I visualized it. I did it. It was smooth and easy. Of course it was cold. And I got out and, and lots of those men were like, whoa, because now the bar has been set. And then also I'm pulling my weight in a different way. So I have some weaknesses and I have some strengths like everyone else. And so for me, that was a really pivotal moment. It was when I knew I was going to do it more when I was going to, I wanted to coach it. I chased those coaches around until they let me in their coaching program and then on and on and on. And that's like six years later. So it's like, it's such a practice of power and it's such a place that we can, and it's not to slight you to be like, oh, this hurts and this is painful. It, it is. Many people use those words. I try to not use those words because I'm not trying to scare off people from trying getting in the cold. And the reality is anyone, mostly anyone, uh, there's a few contraindications, but mostly anyone can do anything for three minutes that's challenging. And if we learn how to use our breath, we can crush it. We can do it. And then we can feel what you feel, which is a parasympathetic rebound, which is I am smart. I'm heightened focus. I'm awake. I'm like, my body is so thrilled that it survived. It turns all the switches on, like of all the best things we want. And so it feels so good to get out. Right? <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no denying that. That's yeah. great. I, 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 Gabby and Laird are just they're professional athletes. They're not. They're not only professional. She's an Olympian. So yeah, yeah. Park City. There's like a lot of that. Somebody invites you for a hike or something. You have to level set by saying, "I don't have a medal." <laughs> really good chance they do in something, and you just have to say, "Like I'm a normal human. I'm sort of a reasonably fit normal human, but like." 
you know, I see these sort of people and it's just like, uh, yeah, I, and it's I don't have that physiology. Like big, climbs, big stuff going on there. Yeah. Three months ago, I was, uh, I was river swimming in Park City. It was city. It was so incredible. And I'm coming back to SLC area oh. at Park City where my friend is co-hosting a strip of breath and cold training in November. Ah, so right. The details so you can send me all your people and come and check it out. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, swim in the Provo river in the, you know, yeah. November, that'll, <laughs> that'll get you. <laughs> yeah, or you can come out. You can if you come up to Park City, go to um Silver Mountain, the gym that I go to, and they one of the pools isn't heated. So oh. by November, that'll be, you know, probably chilly. cold. It'll be chilly. Yeah. yeah. Um <laughs> not as cold. For anyone who hasn't done this, there is an enormous difference between still cold water and circulating cold water. For sure. So it, in still cold water, the like in the pool, even though it's 32 degrees. If you want to make it easier on yourself, don't move because you yeah. build up this like layer of relative warmth around you. If you're in a yeah. circulating cold tub or you're in a cold, even the ocean or a river, it's like another thing is all I got to say. <laughs> yeah. 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 There's something beautiful about being in nature too, right? Yeah. That, that also maybe balances out the breaking of the thermal bubble and the intensity that comes with moving water. There's something it's like after one of the trainings, one of my, um, the people in my course was driving me back to the place I was staying. And he's like, Hey, can you just, I'm, I'm just want to take a quick dip in the river. And I was like, didn't have a bathing suit on it with me. And I like, well, I'm like, yeah, let me, I'll take some content of you. And he went down to the rocks and the river and it's all flowing and cold. And I was like, I can't not do this. And so I was just like, Cameron, I'm just going to strip down to my undies and get in. I hope that's okay with everyone in this because there's other people around, you know, but it's like a bathing suit. So I just couldn't like take myself away from it because it's like grounding and earthing and then like getting in the water. And I was like, okay, this is sort of like a, you know, a moment, but it's, it's really beautiful to do this work in nature as well. Yeah. I mean, you can tell, can you tell I'm like addicted to it? I really love it. I really believe in that. The, there are no two modes. Like I've been biohacking for, for 12 plus years. I've been always on this doing wackadoodle nutrition things and, and, and exploring a lot. I've been ever, ever curious and there are no two modalities that I have ever used that I've ever used. And I've had lots of fails and peptides and all the things, but no two modalities that I've ever used that are as effective as are, are as efficient and effective in transforming people as breath and cold exposure together. There's just no two. It's like one, where else can you go? I'm not saying it's a silver bullet, but it's like on one dip, you can be like, whoa, Okay maybe I need to leave my job. I didn't know that I could do things like this. I feel this neurochemistry, like talk about, you know, all the challenges people are having with stress and depression and mental well-being right now. Oh my goodness. I can feel better again. I'm like my old self, like all of those things come up and out. And especially if it's, if it's with a group or community or coach or someone who just makes you feel like safe, right. That's the important piece that you can shed some of the really heavy stuff we carry around and actually shift into like a better version of yourself and just in one, right. And then hopefully you go back for more. Um, so I really just love it. It's pretty wild. Discovering unknown capacity. Yeah. Yeah. So this word biohacking, um, yeah. which we discussed, I have a bit of an allergy to this word. I'd like you to define biohacking for me. Yeah, I just did this on social. People ask still all the time, and, and there is an aversion to the word, especially there's plenty of women that don't like it. Um, I think it's taking ancient practices, lots of things that we are already doing. I say a lot of times to women, you're, you're meditating, you're probably already a biohacker. But taking meditation and breath work and, and some of the simple ancient practices that we may have worked into our lives 
and combining them with innovation and technology, right? Getting on some of the machines or looking at the science and things that have been discovered and utilized for us to be able to hack or create effective shortcuts, not just like, you know, snake oil, but effective shortcuts that we can utilize everything in between that and combine it with our intuition to say, what is going to work for me and combine it with our lab work so that we can adjust the environment both inside and outside of ourselves. And when we do that, we can set ourselves up to live longer, better, to be happier. And those things are the things that are really, as an end game, the most important thing. We all should be seeking joy. You know, I'm shooting, but we seeking joy and, and love and kindness, like when it comes right down to it, those are the things that are going to make the world go around and make our life succeed. And we can't take it with us. As far as we know, we can't take it with us. We get one time, at least in this meat suit, we get one time around. I don't know what I am next, but biohacking is the thing that is going to help you optimize your health so you can feel better throughout the entirety of your journey to joy. Okay. I'm going to give you a couple. Adderall. Is Adderall biohacking? You know, pharma. I'm not a big fan of pharma. And also I am a fan of people of their own volition choosing um, medicine. Uh, I want to say Adderall is not biohacking. I'm not as much of a fan, but I also know people take metformin, people take prescription medication. I think contextually it could be, right? I think it depends is like any other good answer. Um, But my preference is to stay off of pharmaceuticals just because of the side effects that exist. I do think there are some, you know, obviously some people need it. Some people need metformin for other reasons, right? They need to be able to stabilize their body. So not my first go-to biohack. I think there's other ways to play it. Ozempic. Oh, fuck. That's a really good one. Sorry, F-bombed. Um, <laughs> <laughs> here's what I want to say about Ozempic. I want, look, you got to be the right candidate for it if you're going to do it. And also like if, so I'm going to digress really quickly. One time a therapist said to me, uh, having a conversation at a social event, not my therapist, but it was like, I like when people show up to me and they have all this dysfunction, I say to them, I want to work with you, but here's my rule. If you're not meditating, meditating at least once a day, 20 minutes, I'm not working with you because if you don't get the baseline, right, you don't get to get the cheats. And that's the, the, that's the problem. If we're going to say there's a problem with biohacking or that term, or it, it alludes to the fact that perhaps you don't have to do the basics. And I get that the basics can be simple, not easy. And I get that the basics can sometimes actually be boring. Let's find ways to, to shortcut that from being boring. Let's find ways to make them exciting. So Ozempic is a thing that I think if, and number one, I want to say this out loud, and I hope this lands for people. If you have ever had any eating, eating dysfunction in your life, anorexia, bulimia, body dysmorphia, and that's a lot of, I will say females from my experience, but a lot of people I'm a hard no on Ozempic. Um, Terzepatide is also out there as well. I think Terzepatide is a better solution than Ozempic, but we're splitting hairs. And if you, anyone shows up with an eating dysfunction or disorder, the answer is no. It's a, it's a twisted cutting style, not, it will make the matter, the problem worse. Um, so that's a, that's something that I, I have a really strong belief on. Um, if someone is, is, looking for the lesser of two evils in some way before they go and cut themselves open and have some kind of other surgery, stomach wise, et cetera, then perhaps it's something that they could try. I think you got to get the basics right first. Are you getting mobility every single day movement? Are you, are you eating at McDonald's and then shooting with Ozempic? No, the answer is no, you know? 
And so there's like a lot, there's, 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 this is the vertical of biohacking that I don't like, which is the, like, I'm not going to do the other stuff. I'm just going to take the pill that I think will get the answer. Now, maybe you're going to get a short-term solution. I'm also a libertarian. So you want to, whatever you want to do with your body is totally fine. And we, we need to be smarter when it comes to health and well-being. And we need to be smarter around medications that are like prescribed pharmaceutically and um, just making money for the man. So libertarian of me to say that, but yeah. Okay. Just curious. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a hot button for me because I have um, a lot of eating disordered people around me in my life or have had, and I just feel like I have friends I see on social. They're like, I've never felt so good. I've never been so great. I've finally shifted the body. I wait, I couldn't lose all of the things. And I'm not here to say, you know, it's a bandaid, but in some cases it's a bandaid. Some other labs and things might be more helpful to figure out the, the head of the snake. That's what we want to find, right? What's the head of the snake? I mean, we had a, we did a podcast about I don't know eight months ago or so on Ozempic. We had a couple of people on who were very pro Ozempic. I take the other side of it. I, there's a lot of data on the other side of it, but I, I just to bring it back to like this: uh, what is biohacking and what's not? And we we spoke about this before we came on the air. I really want another word for this. I really want to rebrand the whole thing. Call me a biohacker, and I sort of get a little like. What do you mean by that? It's, to me, I, it's just I'm trying to become the best version of myself as I am today. So I'm not 20 today. Yeah. So what are the things I can do? I owe a debt to the people who helped me along all these years. I owe, I owe a debt to my body. I owe a, a debt to my teachers to really try and be like the best version of David I can. Mm-hmm. And so I, that's why I do some of these things you like my goal in life is full self-actualization yeah that that's that's sort of what powers me that's just my thing there's certain things in the biohack world that i won't do there's certain things i i do do that are sort of like i check on my doctor and it's like hey (laughs) i'm thinking about doing this (laughs) what do you what do you think (laughs) am i okay and you know for i think both of us are in a position where we have a lot of medical science people that we can just call up and say like, oh yeah, hey, what what happens if I do this? What do I got to look at? Th- that's sort of how I go about it. Yeah. And you got to have a good life team, medical team, et cetera, right? Friends and actually paid professionals, I think that can advise you. <clears throat> and I went, I was on Power Athletes podcast talking about red light therapy and that's John Welburn, um, who's like an ex-pro NFL player. And he, I was like biohacking, like, you know, what's the thing? You don't like the word? And he's like, listen, I don't know where you've been, but the last 30 years, we've been biohacking. We've been calling it health and sports performance. We've been doing the work. We've been doing all this. It's just <laughs> exactly. like, you know, F that. We don't need to call it biohacking, some fancy fandango. Like, and he also thinks, you know, he he's like, look at the landscape of most of the people biohacking. They're like not even taking care of themselves. What who who in that group can back squat? You know, he's just <laughs> yeah, if you ever that. listen to John, he's like strongly opinionated and also super sweet and lovely. And also just he he has a strong opinion about fitness, like get under the bar, try some hard stuff. Like, you know, before you go do all the other things, you know, and yeah, like I, I I lean in that direction. I was also just like, okay. He's like, you know, naming names and kind of laying, laying, laying the playing field out. And I was like, okay, these are some of these are my people you're hating on right now. But, um, yeah, it's a, it's a tough word. And for women, it's hard. It's, it's challenging as a word for females. I think because we are slightly more genetically predisposed to be risk averse because we make babies and have to protect them and all that. And, 
you know, in the beginning, I remember the early days, it was like Dave with all of his products, Dave Asprey and all of his products and things and butter and coffee and, um, and, and Ben Greenfield with like uh, cryotherapy when they were talking about everyone freezing to death in a cryo chamber and injecting himself with stuff. And then red light therapy on his balls. He was like, red light therapy on your testicles. Ah, like it was, it was a lot for the ladies, <laughs> a lot for women. I haven't heard and that so one. I'm always like, you know, I'm always fascinated by that start. Right. And it had in the beginning, you'd go to a conference. It was like 5% or less female. It mm. was heavily male dominated. And mm. so I think there's some of that felt that felt off-putting and felt a little like woo out there and yeah, either risky or kind of crazy or male energy. And I think that turned women on off from the beginning. I mean, I, with my, my podcast is well power and quite often I'm like, Oh, it's a roadmap to all the biohacks you could ever want. And, um, I don't mind the words so much because it's in the the common vernacular and I don't think it's going away. So I just try to make it approachable. Like I want people to know there's like approachability there. It's not for the only elite. We hear this a lot too, right? It's the two percenters or people who are wealthier. It's like, there's plenty of free biohacks if you just look for them, right? It's like, I, I put my made an ebook being like, you're all the free biohacks are less than $5, you know? And so yeah, it's unfortunate. And, you know, we're stuck with it. And maybe we'll come up with a better word. Health optimization gets used a lot, you know. I will say in a, you, you have much more experience with this than I do. But from what I've seen, women are I'm just back to the cold, like the guys will be much more hesitant about the cold. And the women are just like, OK, yeah, I'm going to do this thing. Pleasantly surprised by that. A lot of men will just get in because it's like the alpha male energy thing or they're like, look, I, 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 for many, many, many years, my wake up alarm was Jocko Willink being like, I'm going to give you the count of 10, get to the gym, like all this, like, and I love those guys. And I love that philosophy. Like their philosophies, I've sort of grown up in that a lot of male mentors and a lot of that energy. And, and just, you know, I got attuned to it and that's me. And I also think it didn't serve me in some ways because in the last five years of my life, I've really tried to lean a bit more into my divine feminine and my softness and sensitivity and things that I was leaving, you know, leaving on the table in order to like power through everything and put myself to a level of burnout. It's not healthy. So when I look at, you know, when I look at that landscape, I think, how do we navigate the sensitivity that we have and how do we look at the space as women and sort of cover for ourselves and care for ourselves and and not not do the go hard philosophy all the time. And so when men are getting in the ice bath, that go hard philosophy will sometimes lead them there, right? Or it's like wanting one upping their friend or God forbid their girlfriend goes in three minutes. This just happened. And somebody's like, I have to do three minutes now. She did three minutes. It's like, okay, that's your own story. And also um, the biggest thing I see with males is like, there's a component, especially with gym heads in some way, of the muscling through cold. And for me, although that can be the only thing that exists in the first plunge, but for me, the beauty of the ice bath is how do I actually sit in the fully present moment of now and surrender to what's happening so that I can understand myself better. Mm. And I think that less that comes up less with, um, I just see it more with men, like muscling through the whole thing. And I'm like, awesome. You did three minutes. And you missed some of the point, like some of the most important point that the ice bath can give you, in my opinion. And also, it doesn't mean you can't go out. It doesn't have to be overly ritualistic. It doesn't mean you can't go out with friends and be like, yeah, you do five, I'll do four, like or have some head dunking challenge. Like all of that's fine as long as you're safe. And also there's other 
there's other things to glean from it. There's other parts of ourselves that we can discover if we just kind of sit in the stillness of it. You know, I want to liken it to this thing that, um, I don't know how many people are listening to this right now or how you are with needles, but I've never been quite good with needles. I mean, I pass out like for a biohacker, it's not great. <laughs> so it's like, I'm trying all these different things all the time. It's like taking blood and I do lab works every, every lab work every three months. And it's just, I pass out. And recently I was doing like an ozonated, um, an IV ozone therapy. Have you ever done that? No. Super lovely. I feel like a superhero for two days after. So they take your blood out, they mix it with ozone and then they mm. put it back in your body. Mm. Uh, and that not all of your blood, but a portion of it, of course. And somebody said to me in the midst of it, when I was like trying to not hem and haw and be in this story about I'm nervous with needles, right. In the same way that you might be nervous in an ice bath, which I just don't have that and overly like focused and muscling through and gripping, you know, like white knuckling it. Somebody said, Hey, what happens if you just let it be like, it's a needle going into your arm. Just like, let it be a needle going into your arm. Just let, let that be the thing that you're feeling right now. That's what's happening. That's real. It doesn't have to be overblown. It doesn't have to be something I'm spending the whole time, right? Trying to mask it. And then I was like, oh, okay, let me just like, let it be the thing. Maybe I'm not going to watch it go in my arm, but let let that be the thing. It's going to have a small pinprick into my skin. It's going to be a little bit warm. Maybe it's going to have a few feelings. And when I let it be the thing that it is, I was like, oh, this is crazy. What do I say to people when they get in on those first 30 seconds? I get down, I'm at eye level with them. And I'm like, hey, yes. Let it be what it is right now. Let it be what it is. So it's so interesting that I'm like coaching that in one arena. It's obviously, this is the other point of the ice. We don't get an ice bath to get good at taking an ice bath. We get an ice bath to get good at life. And that's the thing, right? So it's like, I just liken it to that, right? It's like, how can we be really present with exactly what's really going on and not so much story and not the muscling through or the avoidant? How can we be like present and be like, okay, I'm choosing this. And, and this experience is happening for me. And what can I gain from being right here right now? That's really well said. Thank you. Yeah. Um, Thank you. I just, I just want to close with what, what I've seen, um, especially like people my age, the women just like shine and the men sort of pull mm-hmm. back. And I've noticed with the cold and some other things, the women are just like, they're just stronger. The men, we have this delusion because we can pick up heavier stuff that we're the stronger gender. Gentlemen, you are deluded. <laughs> this is not the case. The women going to kick your butt when it counts. <laughs> There's an internal strength, but that is what you're saying is true. And in, in yeah. so it's a beautiful thing to witness, right? It's like why the male energy in whatever form or shape it comes in and the female energy in whatever shape or form. I mean, I talk a lot about male energy being the doing and female energy being the being. Mm-hmm. But it's why we need both. Yeah. It's why we need both of those things to like be in balance and to support each other in like this world's community that we hopefully are going to continue to create to thrive. Yeah. Um, Kristen, it's been great having you on. And I love listening to your voice whenever, you. a couple, couple times a week. I, I do your, your breath work. It helps me with my day. And I appreciate that. Mm, thank you so much, David. It's been such a pleasure to sit and speak with you and um, continue to learn more about all the beautiful work you put in the world. So I will be following you back right back as well. Thanks so much. Have a wonderful rest of the day. Big thanks to Kristen for making some time for us today. That was really wonderful. And I know I've been slacking off on my cold ish showers. I'm in New York. So like the water's not that cold. It's like 
high 50s, maybe 60s. <laughs> but tomorrow morning, I'm going to be in there thinking of, uh, thinking of Kristen. And I wasn't clear about how. I know about Kristen. I came upon her because she has, uh, I don't know, three or four meditations on the BrainTap app in the biohacking bundle. So you got to sort of like navigate yourself through there and, and she's down towards the bottom. And I, and I really love her spirit. And I like the way that she coaches people. And I can only imagine that having her coach someone in a cold plunge is a very different experience than just doing it on your own or with a couple of buddies or girlfriends or something. She's really got something going on there. And I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing her when she comes to Utah and do a little cold exposure with her. We're going to get to Just Try This in just a moment after a quick word from our sponsor. Today's show is also brought to you by Timeline Nutrition with their breakthrough product, MitoPure. We all know how important mitochondrial energy is, and especially maintaining muscle and strength as we age. Urolithin A, which is found in MitoPure, has been clinically proven to increase muscle strength and endurance with no other changes in lifestyle. Urolithin A is essentially upgrading your body's cellular power grid, giving your body the energy it needs to optimize. I've been using MitoPure for a few months now, and what I can tell you is there is a noticeable change in the way my muscles re-energize after I use them. What that means is, say I'm involved in some intense activity in the gym or maybe some sporting activity. Normally, the next time I did it, I would be kind of tired. I would be sort of gassed out. That doesn't seem to happen with this. And all I can imagine is because my mitochondrial grid has essentially been upgraded, it's not just my muscles that are getting upgraded. It's all the other cells in my body because they're all powered by mitochondria. Go to TimelineNutrition.com slash Ageist. Use the code Ageist at checkout and save 10% off your first order of MitoPure. This week on Just Try This, keeping in mind the conversation we just had with Kristen, my suggestion is try something that you think is uncomfortable. Something safe, not something crazy, but just something you feel is uncomfortable that maybe is scary, that maybe you can't do and try it a little bit. Um, a, a tip on the cold stuff. So if, if cold is totally terrifying to you, and I know it is to a number of people, you can start by just washing your face with full cold water and then you know, sort of getting used to splashing cold water on yourself. And what a lot of people do is they get in the shower, they take like a normal shower, and they just gradually, gradually turn the temperature down. And this time of year, probably not going to be all that cold. And just do it, you know, try it for 10 seconds. Try it for 20 seconds. You know, what I like to do, when I first started doing this, that's sort of what I did. And then I would listen to something. I'd be listening to an audiobook or I'd be listening you know, to something going on outside of the shower, which would sort of distract me from the whole like, oh, wow, I'm this cold water is kind of uncomfortable. But try something like that. Maybe cold's not your thing. Maybe there's something else out there that you might feel is uncomfortable, you know, learning a musical instrument or taking up a dance class or something that is kind of like scary, but not dangerous. And see if, you know, the way Kristen puts it, if we can expand our capacity, um, because we have a lot of capacity. So just try this. Let me know how that goes. Thank you so much for your time and attention this week. We really appreciate it. If you like the show, you can leave us a review. We love that. You can also leave us a comment. Those are even better. Or 
top of the menu, you can share this with somebody that you know that you think could use it. If you'd like to contact me directly, david at superage.com. If you'd like to contact Kristen Weitzel, we'll leave her contact info down in the show notes. Everyone, have a wonderful week, and we'll see you next week. Take care now.